You're listening to Howard David on 98.7 ESPN. Every once in a while, not every once in a while, every time I put television on to watch a game, and it happened against the Jet game on Sunday, I was actually yelling at the television set. I said, what is this? This isn't pro football. This is a shame. The tush push. Who started that? Are you into it? The tush push? Um, I mean, if it works, it works. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But first of all, I don't know who started it, but I love the one who put the name on it. I mean, it's it's perfect. Week 16 of the NFL. Ramsley 10 nothing. They got a nice team. They're seven and seven. Everybody's seven and seven, with the exception of the 49ers and the Eagles and the Ravens. Who plays in the Super Bowl? The operative question of the month. If it's not Baltimore and San Francisco, you tell me who it is. Is there a great team in the NBA? I don't think so. I mean, you can give me Milwaukee, you can give me Boston. Boston, you can't beat Boston at home. They're unbeaten. But you can get them on the road. Speaking of Boston, the great Cornbread Maxwell is going to join us. He played for the Celtics. He had the difficult task of guarding Magic Johnson when they met head-to-head. Cornbread's going to join us momentarily, unless he's with us now. Is he with us now? Oh, in a minute? We'll get uh, cornbread in a minute. I sit there and I watch games, and I'm thinking to myself, if I see it, talking about football, if I see it, the opposing team's defensive coordinator sees it. Steelers the other day ran it up the middle once, up the middle twice, up the middle three times. We'll kick that around a little bit. Joining me now, a guy that I will credit with making me laugh every time I was around him. He is Cedric Cornbread Maxwell, former member of the Celtics, now a member of their broadcast team. Brad, how you doing? I am doing great, Howard. It's a wonderful day. The only thing, we're out here in L.A., and it said it doesn't rain in Southern California. We've had rain for the last <laughs> couple of days. Yeah. Well, you probably brought it. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. We didn't bring Oh, because at least it was 63 degrees today. Well, it's okay. Here in the East, it's 35. Eat your heart out. Yeah, God bless. <laughs> uh, the Celtics ran up against the Golden State Warriors the other day, and they got beat. And that stopped, what, a five-game winning streak Boston had? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boston's been playing extremely well. And even in that game, they played uh, They played well uh, for most of the game. Uh, in the third quarter, they went up by 14. And then they just got uh, they got three point happy, and started taking threes. And Golden State walked them down, and eventually caught them and beat them. I know how you feel about the three point shot. Uh, you just said three point happy. I'm with you. I mean, I sit there and I watch the game, and it becomes a three point shooting contest. And 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 a lot of times, it's a bad shot given the moment in the game, how the offense is set up. It's a bad shot. Now, look, Steph Curry shooting threes. I'm going to I'm going to the to the well with him. 
because you know he's the best three point shooter in the league, right? Yeah, I mean uh, Steph Curry essentially has destroyed the game so far as I'm concerned because nobody, and I'm not saying him, but nobody can do what he does. And you think you look at all these young kids right now. The first thing they start doing is running out trying to get a three ball. Uh, understand only two people in, that I know of, Will Chamberlain and Steph Curry, have changed the game dramatically in the way it's played now. And uh, boy, but fundamentally, it's fun to watch him. But fundamentally, it's not fun watching some other guys hoist it up. After the Celtics lost to Golden State in overtime. Uh, they then rebounded with a 144-119 win at the Sacramento. Uh, that West Coast trip continues with the uh, Clippers on Saturday. The Clippers are running hot right now, and then the Lakers on Monday. If I said, look, I, lo- I watch the Lakers, and I know LeBron's great, and I know Anthony Davis is great, and they're getting production out of Reeves, but not much else is coming out of that team. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, you look at their team overall, or are you going to get the other production? Uh, who's going to do what? And and that's on a consistent night. Uh, I think that sometimes they depend too much on uh, LeBron. Uh, the thing about the Celtics that you really like, that I really like this year, is that they can beat you with almost any hand, left hand, right, or whatever it might be, because some nights Derek, Derek White is going to be scoring uh, more points than Tatum. Then there's Tatum, there's Brown. Um, you got Porzingis, and this is the beauty of it. You have been around the Knicks for a long time or in that area. Uh, Porzingis has always been pretty much the first option or the second option. Well, now that he's with the Celtics, he could be the fourth option, and that's a good thing. That shows you how diverse this team is when it comes to scoring the basketball, moving the basketball. They had five guys uh, against Sacramento who had 20 points, hmm. and in this league, that's, that's really cool to look at. Uh, tonight, I don't know if you've been paying attention to it or why would you. Uh, the Jazz lead the Pistons 106 to 100 with four minutes and change to go in the game. Pistons have lost 24 in a row. Here's my feeling I think that if you beat the Pistons, you should not get credit for an entire victory. You should get a half win. <laughs> right? You know what? That's, that's not right. I talked to my guy, Rick Mahorn, who is my counterpart, who does what I do for Detroit Pistons on the radio side. And I just asked him, I said, Rick, what the hell is going on? He said, Brad, I don't know. He said, I I watch this team every night. They find ways to lose. Now the thing about the NBA, it's like you don't want to be the team that's going to that, you know, they're able to stop their streak. The Celtics have them coming back home, I think, on the 29th of December. And that would be someplace over the record if they, if they had if they hadn't won until they get the Boston. I uh, look, I broadcast the New Jersey Nets games back in the day when they were bad, and it, and on the road I would work alone. So we go into Salt Lake City when they had Carl Malone and John Stockton, and mm-hmm. at halftime they're up thirty. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I going to talk about for the next half of a game? Because this game, this is not a contest. So my eyes lit up. I looked across the court. There was the owner of the Utah Jazz, Larry Miller. He's a big car dealer in Utah. He's mm-hmm. sitting there. He's got every every piece of food you could eat. He had potato chips. He had popcorn. He had a hot dog. 
He had three drinks, and so I decided I was going to do play-by-play of him eating. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I'm doing this, cornbread, I'm doing this in the second half, and the people around me are all jazz fans, and I'm working alone. They're all getting a big kick out of this. So now we we go home, and two days later I walk through the offices of the Nets, and the president of the team, Bob Cassiola, calls me into his office. I go, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. He said, I listened to the Utah Jazz game the other night. I don't know if I have laughed harder than listening to you describe the owner of the Jazz eating. And I'm thinking to myself, that was more entertaining than the game. And I said, thanks. And I went, Whew. I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when well, we you know how the thing about broadcasting, you've been around long enough, radio and television, is that we're only a word or two away from losing jobs in this league. And it's a fine line that we're trying to entertain, we're trying to inform, but at the same time, we're trying not to get fired. So that's a that's a really, that's a, a tight line that you're walking there. Well, I, I remember a game, and, and you know exactly what I'm going to talk about, game in Cleveland. And they had a magnificent broadcast position. It was above the first level. Right at midcourt. Perfect. And we're doing the game, and uh, it's a close game. And the, uh, the, the Celtics have a three-on-one fast break. And Paul Pierce, he was a rookie, I believe, that year. He pulls up and takes a three-point shot when he had two guys down on the wings that would have gotten an easy layup. And so I said to you, on the air, you better talk to your boy Pierce about his shot selection. He said, no, no, I'm going to do it now. And you took your headphones off, stood up in the balcony, and said, hey, Paul, why would you take such a stupid shot? (laughs) (laughs) You asked me a question, and I just went on and asked him, okay? I couldn't answer that question, so I'm asking him. And it was so so quiet in there, he heard me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yay. Look, in broadcasting, you're going to have you, your partner's going to say something. You're going to turn around, and look at him, uh, and say, "Uh-oh!" As long as you don't use some of the magic words, and you know what I mean, you're you're okay. You see, you have an opinion about something, that's fine. But I'm looking at this Piston team and and Mahorn, and I know Mahorn. <laughs> I can't imagine that he's he's calling, he's controlling the tempo on his broadcast because he's usually very outspoken. He said to me, Brad, all I'm saying is, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's just following his guy. I think his guy's name is Champion, and he's just following him. So it, it, it's a tough job. It's a tough job when you are, you know, it's a tough job either way when you are the play-by-play guy or you're the analyst, and even more so tougher when you're the analyst and you got to think of something good to say about a team after they've lost 25, 26 games in a row. That must be a – I told him, I said, that got to be a hurting thing. He said, it is. And matter of fact, I'm going to try to end up having him on my podcast just to get some uh, reaction uh, to what he would say uh, to me live and in color. So it, stay tuned for that one. Yeah, he's Cornbread Maxwell, Cedric Maxwell, longtime broadcaster for the Boston Celtics prior to that. Outstanding player, particularly on the defensive end, had the, the enviable task of guarding Magic Johnson during the finals. That must have been fun. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was that was a, that was a piece of cake. Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> and Bernard King should, should have had Bernard King into that mix too. Uh, it, there were some tough guys back during my during my era that were every every night uh, you always had some forward who can light it up, and even more so today when I look at Brown and Tatum. You know, you think about guarding those two guys on any given night. Any any night, either one of those guys can give you forty or more. So it's not a good task being a forward sometimes in this league. I watched Jason Tatum in his senior year at Duke, and I right then and there I said, "This guy is a star in the NBA in the making," and he hasn't let me down. He not only on the offensive end, but his defense is pretty fair, right? Yeah. Well, you tell me then if that's the case. You saw him play. Why did uh, he go third in the draft? Considering the Lakers could have taken him at the, with the second pick, and I'm always trying to poke at them. And you know, Philadelphia could have taken him uh, first. That that is that's just a real interesting prospect. Uh, Markel folks will always be linked to Jason Tatum, but for him to go third in the draft, that is crazy. Why have the I mean the Celtics have always been a strong team at home. Uh, unbeaten in Boston, but only one game over 500 on the road. Why? Uh, road games are hard to, hard to win, Cal. Home games are, I mean, road games are hard to, hard to win. Uh, road teams get up. They play better. Um, I think the thing I look at is that you look at most of the games the Celtics have had on the road. They have had games on the road. Most of these games have been one or two-point games that they could have just as easily have won. So I don't really put a lot of stock in, you know, their their road record right now. And look at it this way. They're undefeated at home. If you're undefeated at home, that means you're probably going to have one of the best, the best record in the NBA if you got a fair record on the road. And that means you're going to have home court advantage for the entire playoff series. So just take care of business. A lot. That's all I'd say. I look at the East and I see Philadelphia and I see Boston and I see Milwaukee and maybe Indiana, but I'm looking at the New York Knicks. I have never, in all the years that I have lived in New York, seen the Knicks come out with a better free agent pick than Jalen Brunson. This kid is virtually unstoppable. Yeah, I I think that he has the character and the heart of the city. You know, the city has always been gritty and grind, and they're going to gut it out. He has brought that intensity to that, that team. Uh, he doesn't take any prisoners. He's not over fancy. He doesn't really talk that much. He just gets out and plays it, you know, does it the right way. The only guy I can remember like that would have been Bernard King. When you think about a Nick that came there that was gritty, that the city rallied around as a free agent. But, uh, man, what a uh, what an unbelievable thing. I got a question to ask you, though, Howard, since I want to turn the tables. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I'm looking. I'm looking at the Los Angeles Lakers. They won the um, they won the the first ever in season tournament. They put up a new they put up a banner. Then now they're saying this banner 18. How you feel about that? Uh, that that's not right. That's not right. I mean, look, they deserve to win that tournament, the in season tournament, but I don't see that as the 18th banner. No. <laughs> Do you? I just, just I'm just saying uh, because. The Celtics actually played the Lakers here on uh, on Monday, Christmas Day at two o'clock. So I just want to make sure I had your your back because I'm going to rev, you know, James Worthy and Michael Cooper and all those guys about raising another <laughs> bench to the, up to the roof. 
Oh, you're a bad man. Love you, man. Love you like a, like a brother. You, you you mean a lot to me. I enjoyed my time hanging out with you and working games in Boston with you. You have a great Christmas and, and a happy new year. Great talking to you. Okay, my brother. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Cedric Maxwell, former member of the Boston Celtics, always a member of the Boston Celtics. You know, when you play with a franchise for a long time and you had a part in some championships, you know, that that uh, legacy never leaves you. It's with you forever. As a regard, with, with regard to the Knicks, let me say this. I was not happy with Julius Randle last year. I thought he complained too much. I thought he was, he was always getting fouled in his mind. And I didn't really, and Tom Thibodeau was just as bad. He was claiming foul on a frequent basis. Something has happened there. I don't know who got in their ear. For whatever the reason, I don't see it as much. And that's a good thing. Julius Randle has calmed down a little bit. He has finally come to grips with the fact that Jalen Brunson's got the ball. And he's going to be the guy that's going to get the ball in the right place. I watched him the other night against the Nets. Yeah, last night. Watched him last game. Their offense was as fluid as I've seen a Nick offense in years. Their defense is always going to be good. But their offense was so fluid I'm sitting there with my wife watching the game, which tell you what kind of life we have. We're watching basketball on a Tuesday night. The fact is, look, I love talent. I admire talent. And I watched Jalen Brunson run that team last night against the Nets in, in, in blowout fashion. The fact of the matter is, this team is right now fifth, I believe, in the East. I would not turn my back on them if I was the Celtics, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Pacers, and anybody else in the East. Okay, fine. You lose the big guy in the middle, Mitchell Robinson. Do they, will they miss him? Sure. But Hockenstein is playing terrific basketball. DiVincenzo is playing great. Josh Hart's playing great. They've got a, a roster right now that's deep enough to go deep into the playoffs. The NFL in New York, let, let me put it to you this way. Yeah, the Mets and the Yankees with disappointing years. A lot of excitement was expected from the Giants and the Jets. It hasn't happened. Yeah, the Giants still have a thumbnail's chance of getting into the postseason. The Jets are eliminated. But the NBA now, and I'm not ruling out the Nets either. I think they can get into the postseason. But the Knicks right now would have to be considered as, as deep and as devastating offensively as any of the other teams above them in the standings. I think they're good enough. I really and truly do. Let's jump on the line. And we're going to call it at 800-919-3776. Let's go to Bob. Hey, Howard. How you doing? What do you say, uh, Bob? Hey, I just wanted to give you your flowers, you know, from them years. I remember as a teenager listening to you on the Cosmo games. Uh, I think you were back during the days where Pele had already retired, and I think uh, Giorgio Canaglia was running things. 
So I was just wondering whether you still thought about those days and if you watch soccer now. I do, and you, th- that was a special time because you had the best players in the world on one team. And you had, for my money, well, certainly at that time, Pelé was the greatest player in the history of soccer. Uh, now, others may make a claim to that. But when Pelé was playing with the Cosmos in, I think it was 76, 77, 78, 1977, when they won the championship of the league, he was 36 years old. He was as talented as any 24-year-old. And it wasn't just Quinalia and Pelé. It was Beckenbauer. It was Carlos Alberto. It was Steve Hunt. I mean, they had a roster of stars that made soccer relevant in the U.S. Oh, for, oh, for sure. You know, I, I worked with uh, Major League Soccer when they first uh, opened in 1996, and I could rarely get Pele to come down to a game. There was one time uh, um, uh, Dr. Mazai came to a game, and I tried to ask him, you know, call Pele. Let's see if we can get him to the game. Let's see if we can get him to the game. But it's so sad that he, you know, left us last year. And I don't think he ever came to a Major League Soccer game. I'm not sure. Before I let you go, I'll give, I'm, I'm going to tell you this story. They lose a playoff game, I think it was in 1978, at Tampa Bay, 4-1. to yeah. one. Now, as you well know, 4-1 to one is a blowout in soccer. So we're on the team bus waiting to leave. Pelé is outside the bus. Excuse me, signing autographs for the fans that were on the other side of the gate. He must have signed two to three hundred autographs. The next day, I'm in the coffee shop, and Pelé came in with Professor Mazet. And he sat down with me, and I looked at him, and I said, Why did you spend that much time signing autographs? We're used to professional athletes in this country, 10, 15 autographs, 20 tops, and then they go their, their own separate way. You stood there and signed Two to three hundred autographs. Why? He said because in his in his broken English, he said to me, because the fans had nothing to do with our losing. Why should I take it out on them? Well, he blew me away with that. What a tremendous answer he gave me to that question. Hey, thank you so very much. Here's your flowers. Um, I enjoyed listening to you on the on the ra- on the radio on TV with the Nets, uh, with the Jets, and uh, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that. Same to you, Bob. Appreciate the with the words. Nice of you to say that. We're going to get some more of your calls at 800-919-3776. You want to talk about the tush push? Knock yourself out. But I would rather spend the time talking about, is there a great team in the NFL? I don't think so. But I'll tell you what I do think is a good shot at the Super Bowl. That's coming up next on ESPN 98.7. You're listening to Howard David on 98.7 ESPN. And I didn't realize that um, Otis is the only living member of The Temptations still still working even today. But the thing that was sad about The Temptations was that every the, the, the one of them that died all had tragic lives. And that was the one thing that I took away from watching that movie. But the music is great. There's no doubt about it. 800-919-3776. The Jets have uh, activated Aaron Rodgers, but he won't play. And that's a good thing. To gain what? He'll come back next year, healthy, ready to play. As it is, I mean, you have an Achilles tendon injury. You're out a year. 
When he came back, he came back in what, four months? Incredible. Incredible. Let's check in with uh, Richard in Manhattan. Richard, you're on ESPN New York. How are you? Those Cosmo days. Oh, so finally, <laughs> one, of the, one of the most beloved teams in New York history. They were fantastic. And, uh, well, Pelé had retired in 77, if you remember that famous game where right. he played half with Santos and, and half with uh, uh, the Cosmos. I remember when he came on. Uh, Father's Day, uh, 1975, and of course you remember, and they played at the old uh, Downing Stadium in Roosevelt on uh, Randall's Island. Right. Uh, Howard, who was the guy that brought, you know, Pelé went on all the TV shows. He went on Mike Douglas. He went on uh, uh, Johnny Carson, Murphy. Who was the American-born player that he'd go with? Was it Steve Hunt? Uh, no, Steve Hunt wasn't American. He was English. I would say I would say it was either Shep Messing, the goalie. No, it wasn't Shep Messing. No. Then it could have been Bobby Smith. Maybe I don't remember because he went. He never go on alone because his uh, you know he, his English wasn't perfect. But he the Cosmos were fantastic. Howard and you are one of my fa- you and Don Creaky are two of my most favorite <laughs> announcers. I mean, I put you two up there with Ray Scott and Summerall and Brookshire, but you and Matt Millen on Monday night on Westwood One. That I used to listen just to hear you and your intonations. You know, it, people uh, sports. Uh, Cricky was the same way. It, you guys knew how to make the simple play. You knew the big play, and you would make it sound more, more uh, relevant and more. Uh, you guys were great, but you and Don Cricky are two of my favorite all time. Sports. Ray Scott, of course, was when he did those NFL games. Uh, sudden death, man. When you heard him say, "And we are in sudden death overtime," and <laughs> oh, you guys. Uh, I mean, you got you broadcasters. You guys were the best. But bringing back the old Cosmo days, boy, I wish people could just remember what a great international team that was. They were a collection of stars and. They were so fun. After you did the Cosmos, it was Carvelis, wasn't it? Jim Carvelis. He passed away, yeah. I want to say, um, seven or eight years ago. Wow. You guys, boy, you brought, guys brought so much to the table with the Cosmos. Boy, it was, How great. It was such a fun time, too. Yes. Yeah, no, no, you just... know what? The funny thing about the Cosmos, they didn't win. Like you said, they lost the playoff games. They lost, they only won, I think, two out of the six years that they were. They had that great assemblage of players, right? Only right. two times, I think. Well, 77, they won it all. Right. Uh, that twice, was that was in Seattle. And yeah. there's a funny story about that. Shep Messing was a bit of a character. Still is. Uh, he was, um, I don't know what, he, he had a, a shoe deal with a company, but it wasn't, he, he liked a particular shoe. He just didn't have a deal with that company. So what he did was, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, it was a Chevron. Was it Adidas? Yeah, it was Adidas. They had a Chevron logo on the shoes. So he took a straight razor to try to take the Chevron off in his hotel room the morning of the game in Seattle. And he cut his hand right across his fingers. So he immediately tried to stop the bleeding, and they went to try to find a doctor. They couldn't. So the um, equipment guy taped his hand up. He played the game with a glove on. He had never played with gloves on before. So Eddie Fermani was the coach. He said to him, hey, chef, what's with the gloves? 
He goes, I, I like these gloves now, and I'm going to, you know, he obviously didn't tell the truth. So after the game was over, the blood, the glo- gloves was soaked in blood. And he couldn't explain to Eddie Fermani what this all was from. He took the gloves off, and boom, there it was. So I had a chance to interview him in the post-game show, and I said, you're out of your mind. He goes, I know that. <laughs> he was thrown out at Harvard. He went to Harvard, I remembered. He's what? He went to Harvard. Oh, yeah. Harvard, you, yeah, and he was a smart, but he got thrown out. I think something happened there, and, yeah, he he was very, he was an offbeat kind of guy. But uh, the Cosmos were so beloved, and people just forgot about them. They were they were a traveling road show. They were like uh, the rock stars. They were like the uh, Rolling Stones. of uh, uh, they, And everyone wanted to be with them. Every diplomat, Kissinger. Uh, Mick Jagger, they all hung out with the Cosmos. Wherever they went, uh, Studio 54, those guys, yep. I think they were bigger than the Yankees for that period yeah, of the time. You're right. I'll give you one quick story, and then I'm going to let you go. Sure, Howard. Thank you. He was, Chet Messing played in the U.S. soccer team in the Munich Games of 1972. The guy, wow. there, was, there was an American, uh, American, I think, that was killed in a hotel room two doors away from where Shep was staying. Wow. But it was an Olympic sport that year in 72? In 72. That's Shep played there, yep. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, Howard, always a pleasure, and I hope you're back on the, on uh, ESPN or wherever uh, because you're one of the best, and just listening to you and your, your calls of games, that's where you're really at your best. And i just a big fan of yours, Howard, so appreciate take care, Howard. Thanks, Thank you Richard. Very much. Richard, you, you, you are the man. Appreciate it. one 800 a little bit later on, I'm going to talk to a Clark Judge, who is a uh, NFL reporter for CBS.com. He's got a wealth of stories. Talk about stories. He's coming up shortly, uh, within the next half hour or so. We'll come back, talk a little NFL football. Big weekend coming up, week 16 on ESPN New York. You are listening to Howard David on 98.7 ESPN. Chantel's in the house. Julian's in the house. You are in the house. This reminder that Jason Aldean's Highway Desperado Tour is coming to Northwell Health at Joan Beach Theater on Friday, July 12th, and PNC Bank Arts Center on Saturday, July 13th. Big week this week in the NFL. They're all big. And that's what I love about the NFL. Every game matters. You got 17 games to put your best out there on the field. One game could cost you a lot of money. I mean, team-wise and individually. Game going on now in L.A., Rams lead uh, New Orleans 17-7. That's a halftime score. Teams both 7-7. Seven and seven. Everybody's 7-7, seven and seven, it seems. But I look at, you know, now this is what, December. December 21st, and on December 21st, I would be surprised if Baltimore did not play San Francisco in the Super Bowl. San Francisco has got weapons that are hard to imagine game in and game out. Then you got the Purdy kid, the quarterback, Brock Purdy. 
Everybody was wondering if he could make it. He's leading the league in touchdown passes. Then you got McCaffrey. Then you got Debo Samuel. Then you got Ayuk. I mean, they can destroy you play after play after play. You don't try to you can't keep up with Debo Samuel. Just can't. And McCaffrey, he'll get you any which way but Tuesday. And twice on Tuesday. The thing that's disappointing to me is as as an example, Pittsburgh Steelers. Year in and year out, the Pittsburgh Steelers are always been a team that would be competitive in the regular season and in the postseason. Not this year, for whatever the reason. And I'm a big Mike Tomlin guy. I think Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach. And if he gets fired in Pittsburgh, there's a line around the building to hire him. I mean, was it last week? Brandon Staley gets fired by the L.A. Chargers and the general manager, Tom Telesco. They were fired at the losing 63-21 to the Raiders. <laughs> it's a good enough reason to get fired. I mean, you have a sport where a play can kill you. A play on either side of the ball, offensively or defensively. I mean, everybody is yelling in Pittsburgh about the quarterback not throwing a block. Come on. You want your quarterback to throw a block and, oh, by the way, get knocked out of the game? Sorry, it's not me. Let's go to Spike in St. Pete. Hey, Spike, welcome to the broadcast. It's been a long time since I spoke to you. I was Spike in New Jersey, and... uh... I followed your career, and you got to remember a story you told me. It was either Milwaukee or Boston or when you're doing the Nets games. You told me one of the funniest stories, and I forgot it. I'm 78 almost. <laughs> that's all right. I'm correct. Okay. No, that's okay. I know how old you are. I, 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 you'll remember when I tell you to remember this story, you'll tell it, and I told it 500 times, and I forgot it. I got, I'm, I'm old. Well, who's it, who's it involved? It involves Las Vegas and your uncle. Las- oh yes, yeah. It's actually my mother's uncle. He right. was—he's a big—he was the odds maker in Las Vegas. Okay, so now you'll start to remember who I am. I used to come and follow you in Milwaukee and Boston and the Nets. Where I loved your play-by-play. I thought you're Mo Howard David. What'd you say? Doy doy doy. What was the deal down? No, that that was Neil Rogers down in, in Miami. He was he was playing that same tune for about forty years and. Uh, yeah, he passed. He passed away. Oh, yeah, some time ago. Some time ago. Yeah, I was friends with the guy down at, what was it, Hank Goldberg, the arts maker. He was a friend of mine. But anyway, that's history. Tell that story, and it's good to hear your voice again. I hope you're good health. I know you have a grandson that's a Jets fan because I'm coming in late. I got a text. He says, your old friend Howard David's on. Remember when he used to <laughs> tell that story about the uncle in Vegas? I'm telling you, Howard, good to hear you. Hope you're in good health. You tell that story to these listeners here. It's a great story. You know which one I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, was, the guy's name was Sonny Reisner. He was the right. odds maker in Las Vegas. And a guy came in. Uh, he wasn't one of these nickel and dime gamblers. He was a big-time gambler. And he had That's ten... Right. He had 10 games bet on a given Sunday in the NFL. 
And I want to say he had, uh, some, I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 bet on the game on, on the day. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> he, uh, I forget what happened to the guy, but he went, uh, he, I think he lost half the bet. Or he won half, lost half. And I asked Sonny that day, I said, what are his odds of making any money? He said he's got about a, a 40% chance to make money. Mm-hmm. I said, 40% chance? Why does he do it? He said, because they're all nuts. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you, you told that story over the years. It was your wife's uncle? It was my mother's uncle. Oh, your mother's uncle. That's right. right. That's right. And listen, I, I remember telling you, my best friend in the world, still alive, he was a D1 player at CCNY after the scandal, after Eddie Garden, all those guys. And he uh, he dated... In high school, Marty Glickman, his mother dated Marty Glickman. No kidding. Between, no, after the Olympic uh, debacle, uh, boy, I'm dating myself. And after and before, then he did Yonkers Raceway, and then he did right. the Giants and the Jets. Right. But he was getting pretty old by then, but he did the college basketball games on Saturday afternoon. I remember talking to you about it. I, just, I traveled the whole country, so when I went to Chicago, I rented a car and drove up to Milwaukee. Well, you, you were there after Junior Bridgman, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They had some pretty good teams there. I don't remember the coaches, but it must have been Nelly at some time. But, but it's good to hear you. It's good to hear you again. I hope you helped. Are you living down in Florida now? No, no, no. Live up. I live in New Jersey. Oh, in Jersey. Okay. Because I, I just good to hear you. I heard you were on. I got a text. Your old friend with that story about <laughs> Vegas and the odds. And I just, uh, it's just a good thing. So have I hope you had a good Hanukkah. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Stay healthy, my friend. Thanks, Spike. You, I appreciate the calls. Very nice of you to do that. We'll get to your calls on the other side. Coming up top of the hour, Clark Judge, CBS.com, an NFL expert. We'll talk about this week in the NFL and what he thinks is the real choice for the Super Bowl. I said Baltimore and San Francisco. We'll see what he says. I'm Howard David. You know who you are. We're all coming back next on ESPN New York.